Our reading this morning is taken from Psalm 33, and I'm reading from the Good News Bible. A song of praise. All you that are righteous, shout for joy for what the Lord has done. Praise him, all you that obey him. Give thanks to the Lord with harps, sing to him with stringed instruments, sing a new song to him. Play the harp with skill and shout for joy. The words of the Lord are true and all his works are dependable. The Lord loves what is righteous and just. His constant love fills the world. The Lord created the heavens by his command, the sun, moon, and stars by his spoken word. He gathered all the seas into one place. He shut up the ocean depths in storerooms. Fear the Lord, all the earth. Honor him, all peoples of the world. When he spoke, the world was created. At his command, everything appeared. The Lord frustrates the purposes of nations. He keeps them from carrying out their plans. But his plans endures forever. His purposes last eternally. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people he has chosen for his own. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all mankind. From where he rules, he looks down on all who live on earth. He forms all their thoughts and knows everything they do. A king does not win because of his powerful army. A soldier does not triumph because of his strength. War horses are useless for victory. Their great strength cannot save. The Lord watches over those who obey him those who trust in his constant love. He saves them from death. He keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our protector and our help. We are glad because of him. We trust in his holy name. May your constant love be with us, Lord, as we put our hope in you. Thank you, Maureen, very much. What a wonderful psalm that is. Now, it's an interesting time, isn't it, uh, in the church and in the nation. We're the second Sunday in Advent, so there's a little bit of a feel as if the momentum is building towards Christmas. Uh, we also have a particular occasion coming up, of course, uh, later this week with a general election. Uh, and that uh, presents a huge other agenda in the life of our nation at the present time. And so I have both of those things in mind as I come to speak this morning. And uh, the theme of justice and peace, I've actually amended it now to righteousness, justice and peace, which emerges from this psalm. I wonder what would happen if God himself was our new prime minister after Thursday? What would his manifesto look like for this country? I wonder whether it might capture some of the phrases of Psalm 33 that we've just read. Verse 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. 
Verse 11, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. Verse 18, the, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. This psalm invites its readers to sing a new song to the Lord, to play skillfully and shout for joy. Why? Because it is describing a new world order in which God himself is the supreme Lord, or if you like, God himself is the prime minister. A world that recognizes the great power of God in creation, in creating the heavens and the earth in the control of the mighty oceans, in the way in which the plans of the nations who oppose the ways of the Lord will be thwarted and the purposes of God will be fulfilled. Now, in some senses, this particular psalm did have a focus on the experience of the Israelite nation in the Old Testament. Those who were chosen by God, called to be a distinctive people among other nations before the time of Christ. And the key to the nation Israel was indeed their relationship with God. And when that was intact, as it were, then there was evidence of blessing. And when as a nation they diverted their attention away from the Lord, then they often got into trouble, as the story of the Old Testament unfolds so clearly. So to some extent, this psalm is a reflection of the Israelite nation. But it is also a forward-looking psalm to the time when ultimately God's kingdom will rule over the earth and all the people will fear him. We were thinking last week about the return of Christ and what is to come. We are a forward-looking people and there are those things which reach their final fulfillment only at that time. But I believe that this psalm is also a message for the present time. Indeed, especially for this time in our own country as we come to a general election this week and in the nations of the world as we witness radical change and huge political upheaval. And right at the center of this psalm are these powerful words, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our political leaders need to hear these words. Our policy makers need to hear these words. But supremely, you and I need to hear these words today. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I wonder, does anyone recognize the nation which this, uh, the flag that's coming up on the screen represents? Uh, I think our flag expert is not actually in the room at the moment. He's upstairs. Uh, I'm thinking of James, who's an absolute genius at flags. But uh, what is this flag? What country does it represent? Romania. Romania. I heard it. Thank you, Ian. Romania. It is the Romanian flag. Over the years, this flag has taken a number of different forms, especially with what is in the center of the flag. And in the communist era, the flag looked something like this. It had that image in the center, a representation of communism. 
And then at the time of the overthrow of President Ceausescu, many Romanians burnt holes in the center of their flags. So it looked something like this. Not quite as neat, perhaps, as the image on the screen. On December the 22nd, 1989, just after the city of Timisoara declared itself free of communist rule, a Baptist pastor at the time, Pastor Peter Dugulescu, addressed a crowd of 150,000 people that had gathered in the city square. And he said, in this great historic moment, we need to turn our face back to God and to pray. And he led that huge crowd in the Lord's Prayer. And around the same time, these words of Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord were used in preaching in Romania to say that the hole which was now in the center of the flag needed to be filled with Jesus Christ. A nation that was engaging in a huge transition, immense turmoil, and that transitional time, an opportunity to say that the center needed to be filled with Jesus Christ. So what about our country? And what about our flag? Maybe our flag should have a hole in it at the moment. Because it feels to me that our nation is just a little bit like this. There is something of a vacuum at the center. Something of a spiritual vacuum. In this period of uncertainty, of change, all kinds of questions that are hovering around on the election gender. Something of a vacuum in the center. How should that be filled? And from this psalm, it seems to me that there are three essential characteristics where God's rule is acknowledged. And the first is righteousness. The word of the Lord is right. The Lord loves righteousness. What is this word righteousness all about? It comes up again and again and again in the Bible. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous, right at the beginning of this psalm. Verse 4, the word of the Lord is right and true. Verse 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. It's derived from a word that means straightness, following the right path. It has a rich meaning from the whole of Scripture. It includes right relationships with God, right relationships with other people, right actions in ethical and moral behavior, right attitudes towards those who are in need, and ultimately, it is a gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is actually a huge word because it talks about what matters to us, how we think, how we live, and ultimately, where our faith comes from. Nothing expresses it more clearly than the words of the Apostle Paul, part of his own testimony, where he speaks of being found in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
such that living a righteous life is not something that is achievable through the law or through any other human effort, but it is ultimately a gift of God that comes through faith in Jesus. Godly living emerges out of godly faith, and that is to be found in Jesus. And our nation has drifted further and further away from the righteousness which is to be found through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we cannot turn the clock back, and in many ways, that would not be the appropriate action. But we can issue a clear and constant message that right living emerges from right relationships. And fundamentally, that has a spiritual heart, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And righteousness will never be fully achieved until we move from the actions to the relationships and from the relationships to the heart, which is in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a key word. Righteousness would be a key part of a manifesto in a country where God's name is honored. But there's another word that emerges quite often in this psalm, and that is the word justice, and the two are often seen together. Verse 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The two so often belong together. And justice is similar in some respects, but has much more of a legal framework regarding the fair and appropriate treatment for all people in what we strive to be a just and fair society, especially addressing the needs of the poorest and the most vulnerable among us. And justice is not just a theme for the law courts. It is central to the life of the church as well, because whenever people suffer injustice, for whatever reason, we should defend their cause and seek a better and fairer outcome. A significant part of what BMS World Mission is doing in some countries is to have lawyers who are working in tasks of justice for their communities where they're living in an environment where bribery and corruption is the order of the day and where justice is hard to find. The prophet Micah spoke powerfully against the injustices of his time where powerful people seized houses and robbed other people of their inheritance, where women and children were oppressed, where rulers took bribes instead of judging fairly. And Micah declared in those well-known words, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What has changed, you may ask? Today, theft of all kinds is rampant. Theft of money, theft of time, cyber theft, all kinds of theft. Today, innocent people are being trafficked for money or for sex. Today, bribes prevail in many parts of the world. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. There's an increasing divide between the powerful and the powerless. Justice is lacking in so many ways in our society. And if God was prime minister, this would be on the manifesto. Righteousness and justice. 
And I think the third word that would be very high in the manifesto would be peace. A word that's not written specifically in the psalm, but the essence of it is towards the end of the psalm, where we have that wonderful expression, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice because we trust in his holy name. One of the major characteristics of our country at the moment is that level of uncertainty in which we are living. Who would have thought that after the referendum in June 2016, we would be in the place that we are now in December 2019? And Chris Goswami, who's a Baptist minister I've met occasionally, wrote in a blog recently, which was also published in the Baptist Times, it was called how to survive the election without losing your mind. I thought it was a wonderful headline. It's still on the Baptist Union website if you'd like to read it in full. But what caught my attention particularly were some words towards the end. This is what he wrote. Uncertainty is always best dealt, dealt with by remembering certainty. Both sides of the Brexit argument keep telling us business hates uncertainty. And I think we all hate it. I, for one, like to know what might be happening next week, next month, so I can start to understand how it affects me. But sometimes I wonder if God allows uncertain times so that we might better recognize our dependence upon him. Instead of the world systems, governments, money or intellect. What happens in the future is nowhere near as important as who accompanies us into that future. On the surface of life, there will be waves, even storms. But deep down on the seabed, there is an ocean of calm. If only we can learn to rest and to abide in Christ. Peace is a deep, powerful presence of Jesus in the center of a turbulent world. And that is fundamental to who we are and how we live in the Christian community. Again, from the New Testament, Paul, in Philippians 4, verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When God is truly acknowledged as Lord, then there will be righteousness, there will be justice, and there will be peace. Amazing qualities. There are two very significant buildings in London, just up the road from each other, both of which have significant domes and statues. And the first I'm thinking of is St. Paul's Cathedral, with its magnificent dome, and the golden cross on the top of the dome. I don't know whether you know this, but the original ball and cross were erected in 1708. They were replaced by a new one in 1821. And the ball and the cross at the top of the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral stand at 23 feet high. 23 feet high, that's about four people standing on top of each other, just for the dome and the cross. It's a huge statue at the top of that amazing building. And the other that I'm thinking of is the Old Bailey, 
and on the dome above the court stands a gilt bronze statue of Lady Justice. It's ex uh, a statue that was carved by British sculptor in 1905-1906. And she holds a sword in her right hand and the scales of justice in her left hand. This statue is not quite as high, just over 12 feet high, so a little more than two people on top of each other, but still a very significant size. And these statues are within view of each other, not that far up Ludgate Hill. And they say something about righteousness and justice. The cross, which is the key to being right with God through Jesus Christ. The scales of justice, where every person counts. Equally loved by God and equally important in this world. And it's not the case of one or the other. For both are important in a world where God's ultimate rule is acknowledged. And in our fractured, broken world today, both are important. And we need to add to those the image of peace, that fundamental message of peace within nations and between nations. And maybe this image just captures that the hands clasped together with the map of the world painted around those hands. Perfect righteousness, perfect justice, and perfect peace are characteristics of heaven. But until that final day when Jesus returns in power and glory, we will still experience the brokenness of a fallen world. But in anticipation of what is to come, we strive for what is important here and now. And I believe we need to pray these qualities into the heart of our nation, into that black hole. We need to pray righteousness, justice, and peace. There is a spiritual vacuum at the heart of Britain today. And that's the only way in which it is going to be filled.